important when it, in terms of leadership. And I think when we study the life of Moses, we can see this characteristic. When we study the life of Jesus, we can see this characteristic. And in reality, anybody who was a leader in Scripture, you see this characteristic. Uh, you see it in Moses when he goes off to the desert, and then he has to take the people through the desert. You see it in David when he's um, going off to war, or he's hiding in the caves, and then he becomes the king. Now the caves are used to his advantage rather than his disadvantage, because he had been there before. Um, Jesus, um, when he leads his disciples into prayer, he's been in that moment, so he can lead them to that place of prayer. Um, there's many, there's many leaders in Scripture that, that we see that happen um, to where they're able to lead people to where they've been to before. So with that said, I want you guys to remember, and it's very important for all of us to know, that we cannot lead people to a place that we've never been to before. Um, we can talk about all the rhetoric, or talk about all the rhetoric. We can, we can say all the rhetoric. We can give great things and great advice, but the reality is, is if we've never been there, we can't lead people there. We live in an age where social media is so, um, influences our lives so much to where we see people on social media, if they post good quotes or make small 60, 30 second clips, we see them as leaders and we want to be like them. But the real test is having people that follow you, not on social media, but in real life. Having a million followers on social media means nothing if you don't have anybody following you in real life. In youth ministry, in any kind of ministry, any kind of capacity in regards to ministry. Um, because you'll see a lot of people quote really good things um and i'll use a lot of examples and 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 the reason i use real life examples is because i want you guys to i want that to click in our minds it's not that i'm throwing shade at anybody but it's the truth there was a guy who i knew talented musician um always had aspirations to become a famous musician so what does he do he has a calling uh, since he was a kid his calling was not to be a musician, was not to be in the worship industry or world or whatever you want to call that. It was to be a pastor, and it's been to be a pastor. He has that all over him. However, he was enamored with the crowds, with the playing on stage and all kinds of stuff. So he went to college one semester, came back home, went to another college another semester, came back home, went to another college, came back home, finally ended up moving across the country to attend a mega church so that his dreams could be fulfilled. The problem with all of that is, um, in regards to, 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 to mega churches and, and, and actually putting into practice the things that we say and do, is now that he's there, or he feels like he has arrived at a mega church, now what begins to happen is he'll post, I don't know if he still does, but I don't, I don't even know if I follow the guy. But years ago, he would post things and talk about things that only those who actually knew him knew it was a complete false. Uh, it was a complete lie. It was false. Because if we're not careful, we will learn 
all of the words and phrases, but have no action behind it. And that's what happens a lot in social media and in this day and age. So the real test of our leadership is not social media. It's who is following you? How many people are following you? Now, I know a lot of people are going to say it doesn't matter how many people follow you because they only follow 12 people follow Jesus while he was on earth. Yes. That. The Bible focuses a lot on the 12th. However, there were 70 more that followed him that are mentioned. There was thousands more that followed him. Now there's millions of people that follow him. So it wasn't just the 12 and it hasn't been just the 12. It's millions of people that follow him to this day. He is no longer here in the flesh. However, there are still people that follow his teachings, that love him, that believe in him. So the true test of a leader is in the people that follow you. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, who's following me? <coughs> Who is following me? And the second question is, who am I leading? And the reason why they're separate questions is because who follows you and who you lead are separate people. Completely separate. There's people that follow um, the things that I preach or teach or whatever I do that I don't even know. But the people that I'm leading are the people that are in front of me, you guys. We're going somewhere. So it's always going to be two different groups of people. Who is following you? Who are you leading? The third question is, where am I leading them to? And I want to make a, a, a quick stop right there. Where am I leading the people to? Because I cannot lead anybody to a place that I have never been. Do you want to know why people who get close to me, this sounds arrogant, but I don't care. Why the people that get close to me always end up traveling, preaching somewhere. They get new opportunities to minister at other places. Do you want to know why? If we talk about the spiritual part, it's because of the anointing. Because anointing is contagious. You get around people that travel. Guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to start traveling. You get around people that are financially blessed. You start learning the disciplines, the, the, the secrets I guess secrets are the principles of scripture, of finances. You're going to start to live financially blessed as well. Hey, you should anyways. But, and the practical side is because people who get around me, they know what I'm passionate about. They know what I like. And because I talk about it, they're willing to step in the boat and let me lead them somewhere. Why? Because I've already been there because they've seen that. Whoa, you know what? This actually does work. He did it this way and it works. I'm willing to, to follow him. I'm willing to follow her. So where are you taking them? Where are you leading them? Where's the place that you've already been to or you're currently already there? That's where you should lead them. The presence of God. Yeah. Spiritually speaking. What about practically speaking? Where's the place that you've already been to? For example, I know his ability enough to know that she knows how to honor authority. So guess what? 
people who will follow her, people that she will lead, I know she will lead them into that place and understanding of what it means to honor leadership or your authorities and the blessings you get because of that. So the question is, where are you leading them? What's a place you've been to? Every person who gets close to you should end up better off than before you came into their life. It could be a relationship that didn't work out, but guess what? They're better because of you. It could be a friendship that ended pretty bad, but guess what? They're better off because of you. Maybe before they didn't have a savings account, but after they came in contact with you, now they have a savings account. Maybe before they didn't have a house, but they came in contact with you, you came into their lives, and their mentality changed. Now they own their house. Maybe before they didn't pray, they came in contact with you, now they pray. Maybe before they didn't honor God with their finances, but they came in contact with you, and now they do. So in every person's life, you should have some sort of positive impact that wasn't there before, but now it is. I can tell you, every person that I've been a part of their life and I'm not a part of their life now, I can point out at least three things in their lives that weren't there before me, but they're clearly now there because of me. And again, that sounds arrogant. Obviously, it's because of the grace of God, but I'm speaking in terms of leadership. You should always have a positive impact on every person. Because that's who God called us to be. Because the world, after Jesus came, was not the same. It was better, in a sense. A lot of people are going to be like, well, you know, the world's just, it's, it's going down, it's blah, blah, blah. But however, Jesus came and gave something good. What did he give? He gave his life for the forgiveness of our sin. Now we have access to the Father. That's something that nobody else can provide. So, where are you leading them? Where have you been? And this is important because Moses, where did he lead the people of Israel? To the, it sounds like desert, but it's pronounced desert. So he led them to the desert. Where was he before he led the people? In the desert. David, with his armies, when he went to war, why did he use the caves to his advantage? How did he know the weak spots and the hiding places? How did he know that? Where did he live before he was a king? In the caves. Jesus. Why was he able to lead the disciples into the time of prayer? Into the presence of God? Because he spent time in prayer in, in the presence of God long before the disciples came along. The disciplines that you implement now will be manifested in the people that follow you tomorrow. You'll be able to see the disciplines that you implement now manifested or going forth, whatever word you want to use, in the people that follow you tomorrow. That's how you're going to know that you do have good principles and you're on the right track or you have a lot of work to do. Because one of the worst things that can happen is for somebody to receive a calling and you learn all the words 
you can develop the art of preaching because I'm going to be honest with you guys. Preaching is not a spiritual thing. Singing is not a spiritual thing. It's an art. You can develop preaching the same way that you can develop singing or playing an instrument. The more you do it, the better you're going to become at it. So just because somebody preaches good doesn't mean they're anointed. Just because somebody speaks good on the mic doesn't mean they're an actual leader. Years ago, I'll tell you guys this. Years ago, this used to be the youth room. And I remember that because I got frustrated because we would never do anything with the youth group. And the guy that was in charge of the youth group in those days, I remember I was in Bible school. I wasn't even the youth pastor or youth leader or anything. But the guy who was in charge would ask me what color he should paint the room. Why would you ask me? I'm not in charge. But he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. That's beside the point. Where I'm getting to is this. Why was he the youth pastor in the first place? You want to know why? Because he came to church with his Bible, because of the way he dressed, and because of the way he spoke. No leadership characteristics. What I'm saying is, years ago, especially in Latino churches, leaders were chosen because of how they looked, how they talked, do they carry their Bibles, do they look like they can play the part? And not much has changed now because now you'll see a lot of people that can play the part. I'm preaching on the streets, bro. We got this video. We got these things. And, and, and that's great. And I'm not against that at all because we've done it before. But do you live that type of life off camera? Are you serving off camera? Are you honoring God in the small things off camera? Because when we get to heaven, it's not going to be about the things we did on camera. We're not going to be judged on those things per se. We're going to be judged on everything we did off camera. And so if we're living and doing things just for social media and camera, then we are full of nothing. And we have no foundation. And we can't lead anybody that way. So don't be enamored by the followers and the shares and all that stuff. Because it means absolutely nothing. I want to be faithful to God in the little things. And if I can be faithful in the little things, i.e. small groups, then God will put me in the big things. Because it's only when you lead the small group of people that you're going to learn what it means to lead. If you can't lead two to eight people in your small group, how are you supposed to lead thousands you can't we can have the right desires we can have all the wants we can have all it but if we don't develop the skills now we won't be able to do much later so it's important that we work with all of our hearts with all of our minds with everything in the small group that god has entrusted us with now does it take work yes does it take effort yes Tell you guys a, a, a quick little um, uh, story that I, I was thinking about. A lot of people go crazy because of like what they see on social media. And um, I've talked to a couple of younger people and they say, wow, man, I love what you're doing in your church. Wow, it must be awesome, man. You got a group of people. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we're, we're working. And I don't by no means do I consider myself like a big hotshot or anything. I just want to be faithful and I want to make it to heaven and I want to see everybody there. But I was thinking about that, and 
this guy said, man, God has really blessed y'all with a bunch of people, man. That's awesome. You know, if I had a group of people like that, you know, I'm sure. You know, and then he just started saying, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So I heard what he was saying. A lot of people will see the fruit of things, but they don't see what it takes to get there. So with that said is I was listening to Jonathan Shuttlesworth and I followed him before when he used to travel on, on, on commercial planes. So he was always, you know, posting, he was at the airport or whatever. Now, I, do, I do remember him saying that he wanted a private jet and all of that. Now he was gifted a private jet and everybody goes crazy because, whoa, you know, he gave a million dollars to this ministry. He's flying in a private jet. I want that too. And I want this. The thing is, is nobody sees the faithfulness behind the scenes. How can God entrust you with a million dollar ministry if he can't trust you right now with a thousand dollars? What I mean by that is tithing, offering, giving when you're supposed to give, because God's going to tell you to give at random times. The problem is, is, and this is in regards to giving and, and finances. The problem with most Christians is God doesn't reign over their finances. God doesn't reign over their lives. It's the finances that reign over their lives. And I'll tell you why. Because nobody makes moves because of God. How many people do you know that said, I moved to Sherman because of this church, because of what God's doing here? How, has anybody ever talked to anybody that says, man, I moved to Sherman because I heard of what the Holy Spirit's doing in Philadelphia with the youth and my kids, I, I really want them to get fed. Have you heard anybody say that? I moved to Sherman because of that. Okay. How many people have you heard of, all oh, moved to Sherman because of work? I had a better job opportunity. Do you see what reigns supreme in their lives? It's not God, it's finances. Where can I get more money? Secondly, why do I say that finances or money roll over their lives? You want to know why? Because people are not willing to give. They don't give. And, and I'll keep saying this all next year. So you guys, are, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's okay. I can use this building as an example. Out of the people that I know that are young, that have a job, the number one giver that I've known is this building. And I used to think, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I used to think it was, I was like, man, she gives a lot because it's her dad's money. And then one time I asked her, I was like, I was like, so do you just like your dad doesn't say anything because you use his money? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, you know, because, you know, you gave here and then you gave this and then you bought this and then it was Pastor's Day and you gave this much and then you gave this much offering. She goes, oh, no, that's my money. I was like, no way. Really? She goes, yeah. And so where she works, is it considered a full time job? Okay, it's considered a full-time job. I don't consider it a full-time job, but I guess because it's over the 31-hour mark or whatever a week. But this whole time, I'm like, she works a part-time job. I work 38, 39 hours. It doesn't seem like it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but It's my long lunches, huh? Yeah, I think it's your long lunches. Yeah, your six-and-a-half-hour lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where I'm going with this. And, and I'll give numbers specifically because I want you to see something here. Because I've been there, so I can lead you there. She has been there. She can lead people there, too. When it was, uh, come on in. When it was, it was uh, pull up a chair. When it was, um, I think it was California. We went to California, and we gave an offering. No, I'm sorry. 
it was Pastor's Day, I believe it was. I can't remember. The thing it was one of those days where I asked everybody, I said, hey, whoever can give an offering, please help. Um, do you know how much she gave? It was $150. I believe it was Pastor's Day, wasn't it? Was it Pastor? It was Pastor's Day. It was $150. Then we had uh, the bonfire, and there was $50. Then we had the Christmas party. It was $100. Just right there, you're looking at $300. This is not counting all the other stuff. So let me ask you a question. Have you only bought gifts for your family for Christmas? Okay, I'm going to tell this story, the Best Buy story, okay? Just because I, I want you to understand the heart of a person that gives and a person who's willing to say, these are my finances, they're yours, God, whatever you want me to do with them, I will do. Um, Corelli, out of the youth leadership, how many people gave you money to go to Brazil? Now, I'm not saying that to make you guys feel bad. I, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? So then Isbeldi says, hey, uh, Gina comes up to me, um, Isbeldi, and that was about it. What do you want for Christmas? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then Isbeldi kept asking, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. Send me a Christmas wish list. I don't know. I don't have one. Finally, I was like, you know what? I texted her the model of the iPad that I have, and I said, iPad cover. That's all I said. And so um, pull up a chair. And so then I said that. So then she calls me to verify. She goes, did you just want an iPad cover? And I said, man, just buy it on Amazon. It costs like $17, you know, because I, I really do need one and I want one and it's not expensive. And she goes, no, I'm going to go buy something that I know is going to be good or whatever. I was like, okay, fine. But then she calls, she goes, I just wanted to verify. Did you mean an iPad cover or did you mean an iPad cover and an iPad? And I go, no, just a cover. And she starts laughing. I go, why? She goes, I'm going to go back. And I was like, what did you do? She goes, I bought an iPad. And I was like, you bought an iPad? She goes, yeah. So then here's, here's, here's what I said after that, because now I'm curious. I said, how much did you spend? She goes, oh, that's not important. I said, no, how much did you spend? I want to know. She said 400 and something. Let me ask you guys a question. Is there anybody around here in this table that you would say, I'll spend 400 and something? Of your own money. You can be honest. It's okay. One guy one time told me, he's like, bro, I love you, man, but not $150 love. And I was like, I get it, man. Would anybody here spend 400 and something dollars on somebody else? Right? Okay. This is where I'm going with. When you have a giving heart, how much you spend doesn't matter. How much you give to God doesn't matter. And here's the reason. I know even people that are going to listen to this and be like, oh, I bet she probably likes him or I bet there probably something's going on because nobody in their right mind is going to spend 400 or something. This is what happens. When you understand how God's financial system works and God tells you to give, you don't put a number on it. You say, okay, God, how much do you need me to give? Because God will honor a person who gives with a cheerful, cheerful heart. He honors the motive of the heart. The problem is we are so attached to money that God can't bless us financially because God says, that's what you want? Okay, great. You can keep that. And what God the whole time wanted to... But what iPhone is that? 
It's a 13. And God, the whole time you wanted to give you the iPhone 15, you're like, I just wanted to give you a newer model, but you can keep that one. It's okay. So you can either, I said all that to say this, you can keep your 100% with the curse of God, or you can keep your 90% with the blessing of God. Which one do you want? Now, I'll, I'll finish off with this, is, well, at this point, I'll finish off this point with this. Um, when you honor leadership, when you honor pastors, when you honor your father, your mother, when you honor them, God will always honor you. And so, have you gotten everybody, like, in your family, like, gifts? You still need some people? Your dad. Your dad? You said, okay. Are you, are, are, are you, have you not gotten him anything because you don't have money? It's because you don't know what to get him. So, when you decide to bless others, God's always going to bless you. When I used to work at Best Buy, I remember every trip that I took, I would always come back with a souvenir for all of my supervisors. Everybody. And they always knew. Like, I wonder what he's going to bring us this time. And then one guy said, you know, you're the only one in all the years that I've worked here that goes on trips and comes back and brings us something. I was like, really? He said, yeah. He said, we're really going to miss that whenever I left. Live a life that when you're, no, when you're no longer in other people's lives, they'll miss what you brought to the table. That should be your goal. So again, just to recap, you cannot lead people to a place you've never been to. The two questions you should ask yourself is, what's the first one? Who is following you and how many are following you? Who is following you? The second thing is, who are you leading? How many are following you? And again, if we can't be faithful to the small group we have, if God cannot, I'll put it, I'll put it this way, if God can, cannot entrust us with a small group of people, then how do we expect God to entrust us with bigger things? And in regards to finances, if God can't trust us with $1,000, good luck dreaming of a million-dollar ministry or $10,000 or however much you want to make a year. Good luck with that. Because God will elevate you as much as your discipline has been developed. God's never going to elevate you past your level of discipline. God's never going to elevate you past your level of maturity for your own good. So there are things we have to develop now with our small groups. Amen? Amen. And I think for next year, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to be pushing everybody, and it's going to feel uncomfortable. At times, it's going to feel like I'm being arrogant and talking about myself, but I'm not. And I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to not sound arrogant. But the reality is, is I, you know, I came to my senses and told myself, I'm not going to teach according to American Christianity. We're like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I offend anybody? No, we're on a mission. And if we're going to get there, I don't care what outside people have to say. doesn't matter what the enemy says. We're going to fulfill our objective. We're going to get people saved. We're going to grow as people. We're going to grow as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to grow as leaders. And we're going to serve the kingdom of God together. Because I want to see everybody grow. 
I want to know that tomorrow, if any of you guys got calls to another ministry, to another country, to another church, I want to know that you're going there and that what you're adding to the ministry is something to be looked up upon. For example, I was talking to somebody um, and they were talking to somebody else who's been to Bible school. And these people who have been to Bible school already graduated, serving in ministry, doing all kinds of stuff. We're talking to one of our youth leaders here. And you know what the, what the, um, what do I say? What the statement was or overall statement was, it was the, the, wow, I never thought about that. Wow. And so we were talking and it was so interesting because we both came to the conclusion of like, this is like basics 101. How have you not learned that either in Bible school or in ministry? Because what I want to teach you guys are things that are going to work. Not things that are going to make people happy with you, but things that are actually going to work. Let me ask you a question. Are you happy with your parents all the time? No. No. And it's, and it's going to be the same thing. People are not going to be happy with you all the time. What can you do about it? They're still your parents. They still want the best for you, and they're still going to help you accomplish things in life. And that's how we are. Amen? Amen. So I love you guys. Um, so just like I said at the Christmas party, I know if I've made you upset or made, or made you cry, I'm sorry. But this next year in 2024, expect more of that. Okay? Love you guys.